Thanks, Amos. Appreciate it. Thanks, worship team, for leading us this morning. Uh, it, is, it is a real honor and privilege to be here with you this morning. Um, welcome. Uh, good morning. Uh, thanks for being here. Thanks also for the uh, opportunity uh, to join together a little bit here and open God's Word. I am really looking forward to what uh, is to come this morning. Um, message this morning is called Welcome Home, and as a dad, I long for peace in my home. For those of you that don't know me, my, my wife and I, we have five kids, and for those of you that are just kind of processing that information for the first, first time, you might be saying to yourself, did they do that on purpose? Was, they really got their hands full. Um, but yes, we have five kids, and it can get loud in our house. Uh, sometimes it's happy noises. Sometimes it's unhappy noises. Sometimes it's just noise for the sake of noise or for no reason at all. Um, kids are great at doing that. Um, but there's something in my very soul, like the, the very depths of my soul, that longs for peace in the home. And I know that for whatever reason, there, there are going to be times where, wow, the, that longing and that desire, there's a big space between uh, what, I, what I hope for and long for and what actually is being experienced. Um, and I think that desire and that need for peace is how we're wired. It's, it's how we're made. Uh, God has made us for peace. And the Old Testament word for peace is shalom. Now that word is full of meaning. And we're going to get into that a little bit today. But as, as we kind of sense that we haven't fully and completely reached peace in the places that, we're, that, that we find ourselves, whether that's at home, at work, or at school, or wherever we are, we can recognize that, wow, I feel like there's got to be something better. There's got to be a truer, more complete, more whole, more full home somewhere. Because we sense we haven't quite arrived there yet. And what C.S. Lewis writes is, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And I think we all sense that we were made for another home. And because of that, we desire something that we, we haven't quite arrived at yet. So in this life, we'll go to great lengths to try and find that, to try and find that peace, and to try and keep that home of shalom wherever we are, to kind of keep that place of peace. And when there isn't peace in those relationships, in those spaces, we can feel it. We have a reaction towards it, and we look for a solution. We just naturally will look for a way to bring back balance, to bring back peace, to bring back shalom. We look for something to displace what's troubling our hearts. And that's what, that's what drives us to our text this morning. Because I believe that there's only one answer to our heart's longing for a home. Trusting in that one way will displace the trouble of our hearts and lead us home. 
That's going to be the focus this morning. So we're going to be looking at John chapter 14. So if you want to open up your Bibles there, if you don't have a Bible, the one in the pew is our gift to you. We want, to, we want you to have a Bible so you have access to the Word whenever, whenever you can open it up. So we're looking at John chapter 14. And in, in this context, Jesus is addressing his closest friends. And their hearts are deeply distressed, deeply troubled. Why? Because their leader essentially has just told them that he's going away. They've left job, they've left home, they've left family to follow Jesus, and he's just essentially said, you know, I'm going to be leaving. You can't follow me. And when they look around, when they look around them in that immediate situation, when they look ahead to what that's going to mean for them, they don't see peace at all. They see chaos. But here, in this exchange between Jesus and his, and his disciples, this sweet exchange, we get some important clues regarding that place of peace, regarding the impact of true peace and the way to it. So let's check that out right now, John chapter 14. Um, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm going to read, and then we'll just make some uh, comments afterwards. So starting in verse 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas said, uh, Lord, we don't know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And that will be enough for us. And Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in, in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say, I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. See, the problem is the disciples, they are facing big trouble, and their hearts are troubled. They're distraught at the news that their leader is going to be departing and going away. They're going to be left leaderless, homeless, purposeless, shalomless. 
The question on their minds is, what do we do with all this information? What do we do with this news? And where do we go from here? How do we know the way when we don't even know the destination? How do we plot a course without a de- destination? It's, it's like saying, okay, go there. Well, where, where's there? Show us on the map. Show, show, me the, show me the state. Show me the town. And then we'll know. The disciples listen to what Jesus says, but they don't really hear it. It doesn't really make sense to them. And then the trouble gets worse, and they try to solve the problem themselves. Human nature. Maybe you know the story, what happens next. Judas betrays Jesus, Peter denies ever knowing Jesus, and the others scatter into hiding all over the place. And they go their different ways. But as we know, this isn't the solution. This isn't the real solution. The real solution is shalom. This is how the Hebrew word looks, shalom. Um, And it could have all kinds of different meanings. Like It could just essentially be a greeting, like au revoir, bonjour, you know, shalom. It could end there. Or it could have the meaning of being uh, describing a peace between two formerly warring entities. So two uh, distinct uh, nations or uh, peoples that are warring have made a peace treaty, and there's the absence of war. So shalom could simply mean the absence of war. But if it goes a little bit further, if we take the meaning a little bit further, the word doesn't just mean the absence of something, but the presence of something better in its place. The presence of something whole and complete. And that's the kind of peace that I think is pictured here in our text. I think this is the kind of peace that Jesus is sharing with his disciples in this moment, and he shares it with us. I picture like a a perfect stone, perfectly hewn, no imperfections. And then I picture a wall that's perfect, without any holes, without any uh, missing bricks, without anything, uh, without any gaping holes or anything that would make it incomplete. That's the kind of, that's the kind of concrete image that, that we have of shalom. Wouldn't it be awesome if our lives were like that, complete and whole? Wouldn't it be sweet if there, was, there were no holes, there were no gaping areas in our life that were just incomplete? But life is complex. Lots of moving parts and pieces. I don't know about you, but um, maybe there's some things that are keeping you from peace. Maybe there's, uh, maybe there's a loved one that's sick. Maybe... Failure on an upcoming test is pretty much a certainty, and you know it's coming. Or maybe that forever special someone just dumped you because they didn't want to deal with the stress of uh, Valentine's Day. Whatever it is, whatever is keeping you from your peace, when our life is out of alignment, we feel like we're missing that shalom. 
Our shalom is affected, and that's where the disciples find themselves. It's messing with their shalom to know that their leader is going to his death. So what the disciples couldn't understand were statements like, uh, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. A place. Okay? I'm the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But what the disciples didn't understand, we now can understand because we have a completely different perspective. On the other side of the cross, we now can see that Jesus is the way. He is the way to the place of peace that we long for. And it's not really about a place of peace. It's about a person of peace. And because he's gone the way of the cross, because he has gone the way of the cross and died and bled for us, he's prepared the way. He's prepared the way home. He can fix what's broken. What was separated by sin and hostility is put back together as Jesus allows his body to be separated He does what only he can do and puts back together a relationship that there is no other way could be restored. Did you know that the uh, Greek word for peace is erene? Erene. And everywhere in the New Testament, this word is consistently found to be synonymous with Jesus. Jesus is peace. And without peace, without a trust in Jesus to displace the trouble in your hearts, you'll be motivated by fear to look in the wrong places for peace. You'll be motivated by guilt, shame, to scatter like the disciples. But that isn't living by the gospel of grace. That's living by fear, letting the troubled heart dictate the way of life. It will move you away from the way. Now, for me, when I was younger, um, uh, I had an, a number of friends in, uh, in school, and I loved being associated with a group of friends that sat at the cool kids' table. I don't know if you had that experience at at lunchtime when you were younger. But um, for me, it was my two friends, Tavis and Tim. They were kind of the ringleaders. They were the most popular kids in school. So anytime I got to do something with them, it was like, wow, status elevated. Now I'm one of the cool kids. So one day, you can imagine, I was super pumped. I was on a bike ride with the two of them. And we were biking along, and I was like, okay, I'm in. this is, this is fantastic. I lost sight of them briefly. They made a turn around this big pile of rocks, and I kind of lost sight of them for a second. And then as I rounded the turn, a bunch of rocks and dirt and debris and stuff started raining down on me. And I, was, so I looked up, and sure enough, 
from an elevated position were my friends, Tim and Tavis, throwing dirt and rocks and stones down onto me. You want to talk about troubled of heart. You want to talk about the lowest of the low. It went from, wow, this is the greatest day, uh, this is awesome, to I am pretty much the lowest of the low right now. So what did I do? Well, what I did was uh, what I asked our kids to do. I aimed for peace, right? No, no. I uh, wanted to get even. So I picked up the biggest thing I could find. It was a rock. And like I have never aimed anything in my entire life before and since then, I threw that rock and just in the general direction, just like out of a, out of a rage, like in the general direction of uh, the two that were in their nice fortified spot on top of this rock mound. And it found its target right on one of my friends. It hit him, this big flat rock hit him straight in the chest. Now he went backwards, he started holding his chest, and of course, in that moment, I went to check and see how he was. No, I didn't. I ran. I got out of there as fast as I could. Because I wanted to get even, because I wanted to bring that balance back, because I wanted to get justice in that moment, I took matters into my own hands. And it really messed up that relationship, as you can imagine. Now, we were able to smooth it over, like boys will be boys, right? We were able to figure it out, but the relationship was never the same. Um, That trust never came back in the same way for me. And so that's where, that's where we find ourselves. It could have been different. I could have responded differently. There was a choice that I had in that moment. See, the gospel of grace says Jesus is the way, and he's made a way home for us. That we don't have to take matters into our own hands. We don't have to be the ones that set everything straight. Because ultimately when we try, we usually mess it up. All that pain and suffering and torture, the crown of thorns, the gruesome splintery cross of wood, the death and the burial, he endured the worst trouble to take our biggest trouble away. He was separated so we didn't have to be separated anymore. He put back together God and humanity and people to people. And Paul talks about this incredible reality in Ephesians. And I'm going to put it up here so you don't have to flip there. But Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 12. Remember that at that time you were separated from Christ. Excluded from the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create 
in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Now here's what our culture says. Our culture says keep calm and move, on, move along. Just keep calm, move on. That's not, what, that's not what God tells us to do. God says aim for peace. God says look at me. I am the peace that you are longing for. It's not just keep calm. It's not just chill out. It's not just uh, relax a little bit. We're talking about peace that is complete and whole and full. And Paul connects the idea of peace and a permanent dwelling together to describe the kind of peace that's beyond just keep calm and move along. Jesus himself is our peace. He prepares the place of peace for us completely and fully and permanently. He is peace and he's offered himself as the place of peace. Isaiah 40, 28, 29 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is. He doesn't get tired or weary. He gives strength. He gives renewed energy. He's not just prepared the way. He's not just given us the way. He's also given us the strength, the renewed energy to continue walking in that way daily. So what do we do with this? I think we lean on Jesus and we aim for peace. That's something that Catherine and I have been talking with our kids about. Like when it gets loud, when it gets noisy, I found myself repeating, hey, aim for peace, please. Aim for peace. And we're not talking about just chilling out. We're talking about aim for peace between brother and sister, between mom and dad, between uh, kids and parents. Because the peace that Jesus brings is relational. And we're called to create peace, to create a home, to create places of peace that resemble our true home. That peace, shalom, the erene we desire should drive us toward making peace here. To become peacemakers. Because the peace Jesus brings is active. Shalom is active. It's courageous. The peacemaker is able to go toe-to-toe with fear and trouble because the way has been cleared. The way to God has been opened. Now, for some of you, family is synonymous with drama. For some of you, when you show up to work, you know you're going to run into that person. 
that just makes your life miserable. Sometimes the place we find ourselves, they're not the places of peace that we long for. But when we're on the verge of losing our minds, when we're at that family gathering or we're next to that classmate that just drives us nuts or that coworker, or those people that are supposed to be our friends, and we can't understand how one human being could be so annoying and obnoxious or just plain mean. We have the opportunity to choose our way or his way. See, my way has the tendency to look like retaliation, frustration, and running as fast as I can away from the trouble. But that's not the way to peace. That isn't the way home. That isn't a way to reconciliation, which is just another fancy word that Paul uses for peace. Jesus offers us a different way, the only way. And peace requires something of us. It's not passive. It's passionate. And being a peacemaker isn't always peaceful. Being a peacemaker isn't always peaceful. It requires working together for each other's benefit, in alignment with the shalom and the heart of God, in Jesus Christ through the power of prayer and the Holy Spirit. And for us at Grace Point, this is what it's about being in the Together Initiative Network. This is, this is what our efforts and our striving and our straining is about, to make peace, to become a family of faith that's working to create peace everywhere that we go. Shalom is a verb in our context. And because Jesus did the ultimate shalom for us on the cross, because he brought that peace in a complete and total way, we don't have to be guilt-motivated, but we can be grace-motivated toward home. See, humility, patience, bearing with one another in love, that's hard. But that's how you make a house a home. That's how you make a, just a place, a place of peace. That takes effort and courage. Restoring what's broken at home, in our schools, in our work, in our community, that's not going to be easy. It takes Jesus making peace in our hearts, making peace with God the Father on our behalf, and working through us to make peace, to restore what's broken. So if you have trouble in your heart, welcome to the club. Know that you found a family of faith here, doing everything that we can to bring shalom in the power of the one who brings our ultimate healing and reconciliation. Daily. It's the way of Jesus is truth and life. So in order to kind of make this a little bit more concrete, I want to tell you a story of a true story here of Prince Kabu. Now, it's a funny name. You'd probably be able to remember it. Prince Kabu, um, as a boy, uh, had an encounter with Jesus, much like um, Paul did. Bright light, voice from, voice from God. And from that, from that moment on, he wanted to know more of God. He wanted to understand 
okay, what is the deal with the Holy Spirit? What's going on here? And he came in contact with a number of people that could partially answer his question, but he finally talked with one person and said, you know what, there's a professor in New York City, he can answer your question about the Holy Spirit. But that was going to be a little bit of an effort because Prince Kabu was in Western Africa. So what was going to be necessary for him in order to get his answer was uh, sea travel. He was going to have to travel in a ship across the ocean in order to get to New York City. But he wanted, he wanted desperately to know about the Holy Spirit. So he showed up at the shipyard and came in contact with uh, uh, one of the captains. Now, this captain, there was a few problems. This captain didn't want a young boy on his ship. What, what purpose would a young boy serve? How could he help with anything? The other issue was Samuel Morris, as Prince Kabu would be later called, was black. And this was a culture of racism. And that was a huge barrier for this ship captain. But Samuel Morris kept showing up day after day, asking to join the crew, asking to, to be on this ship. And finally, the captain folded and let him on. But this ship was not a place of peace. See, nobody really wanted Samuel Morris on this ship. Nobody really wanted to give him the time of day or even recognize that he was there. The boy had no skills, and like I said, the color of his skin was getting in the way of any kind of relationship. Well, one day, uh, one, of the, one of the shipmates became violent. He was enraged. He thought one of the other shipmates insulted him, so he essentially lost it and went waving his curved sword at, that, at the man that he thought had um, made fun of him or mocked him. And without skipping a beat, Samuel Morris stepped in the way and he said, don't kill. Don't kill. Now, this guy was not somebody you step in front of. This was the meanest of the mean shipmates. He had already threatened to kill Samuel Morris before. But for some reason, in that moment, that man lowered his sword and went below deck. And the crew was astonished. They, I could just picture, jaws dropped. This guy had a reputation of being the worst of the worst. And for some reason, this boy, did he have the power greater than this than this crazy, violent shipmate. But rather than leveraging his power for himself, he immediately began to pray for the crew. Samuel Morris defaulted back to prayer. 
And those who had been on, at each other's throats now became overcome by some greater power. In this highly charged moment and by the power of this young boy's prayer, the captain himself began starting to confess his sins and later on that day gave his life to Jesus to be his Savior. And the next morning, that, that murderous man, the man who had gone with sword blazing, was so sick he was about to die. He was on the verge of death. And rather than rejoicing, Samuel Morris went below deck and prayed with him. The man got better. And from that point on, treated Samuel Morris like a brother. And then something crazy happened through the whole ship, through the whole crew. They started holding services on deck. Samuel Morris would lead them. And later, he was remembered as their minister and their hero. Because Samuel had the courage and resolve to be a peacemaker, a ship full of individuals became a crew. You might even say a family. And not just any family. A family that could now talk to their Heavenly Father, unified and at peace with God and each other. We have to ask ourselves, what, what am I risking in order to be a peacemaker? If you've believed on Jesus, he's already said to you, welcome home. And now he's welcoming you to create those places of peace wherever you are. But if you're on that journey and you can't have have not quite figured out what to do with the trouble of your heart. Just know that there is a way. His name is Jesus, and he desperately wants to say to you, welcome home. Trusting the one way will displace the trouble of your hearts and lead you home. If we don't make moves towards peace, though, here and now, we won't experience what it truly means to be in community and family. A part of a crew rather than simply a people on a ship. A part of a family rather than simply some related people under the same roof. We might live in a house, but we won't experience home. But there's even more on the line. The honor and glory of God is at stake here. The honor and glory of the one who made a way for us, the one who calls us friend. We have the chance to reflect that very nature of Jesus in the places of peace we create here for his name's sake to help others experience that peace too. Imagine what that place of peace would look like. Imagine if we were all out for making a better home here, that points to our better home in and with Jesus. What if that was the focus of our prayer energy? What if that was the focus of our lives? With the attitude that we're not just saved by the way, but saved to the way. 
daily living by grace to create those spaces of peace, to be the peacemaker in the home, at school, at work, to be motivated by the gospel of grace, not not a gospel of fear and anxiety and guilt, but to be motivated by the good news of shalom, that Irene has come, that Jesus has arrived. He's made the way to peace. He is peace. Imagine what it would look like to step out in courage and faith as peacemakers, like Samuel Morris, full of the peace of Jesus. Wouldn't it? It won't be perfect until we get to our true home, but until then, we can freely give peace that's been freely given to us. Imagine what could happen to troubled hearts if they came to know the true way. First transformed hearts inside, then transformed lives outside. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be inspired, be compelled, be filled up by the truth of your peace. By the truth of what you've already done to make the way for us to find our home, to find what we are longing for. God, I pray that you would help us to go in peace. Not just just as some kind of slogan or some nice word, but the peace that has the depth of meaning of that Hebrew word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to go in peace, that you would help us to aim for peace and to move towards that wherever we go. Thank you for coming and building your love and your grace and your mercy in us first so that we can build that around us wherever we are. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name.